This is the Totally Wellm Podcast recorded from Dr. Comics. I'm James Von Blum. And I'm Nick Rowe. Oh, it's Bane. <laughs> yeah. Bane Nick Rowe this week. <laughs> I like how even you were disgusted with that. <laughs> I knew it was... I thought... For a second, I thought you were covering your mouth to yawn. And, I, and then I realized... Before you did it, I realized what was happening. <laughs> that wasn't on the list. That was just freestyle. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> well, well done... No, I don't. I don't deserve that. <laughs> Nobody deserves that. Yeah, not even Tom Hardy. Oh, speaking of Tom Hardy, I, I have I have not watched the Venom trailer. Have you watched it? No, I heard it's out, and you know, honestly, Venom is one of my least favorite Spider-Man. Characters. I I was really kind of well. I know he's really popular. Oh yeah, with some people, but uh, not to. Well, that sounds like I'm disparaging people. I'm not. No, you should. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, Venom is really popular, but I, yeah, I've never really connected with that character either. And my first reaction of finding out when they were that they were gonna release a film, a Venom film, I was like, hmm, that yeah. doesn't. Hmm. I you know when I was a kid, Venom was a really. I thought Venom was like the coolest character yeah. ever and black costume Spider-Man was the coolest Spider-Man. Oh, ever. everybody but, loves black costume Spider-Man. But then as I as I got older and came to my senses, I realized that the wacky characters like Craven <laughs> the Hunter and Mysterio yeah. and you know his rogues gallery rogue gallery that never really gets used. Uh-huh. Is where the true magic is. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think Spider-Man, I think, is inherently kind of like a goofy character. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, like, when you try and make Spider-Man, like, gritty, it just doesn't... I mean, look at it this way. Pretty much all superheroes are goofy. Yeah, exactly. Spider-Man is an awkward teenager who wears a spandex spider costume (laughs) and climbs up walls. Right. Like, that's that's just wacky. And And his trademark is making, like, quips. Yeah. And there are some people who have dealt with that well and others who have not. Mm-hmm. And when Spider-Man is not quiptastic and, and snarky and yeah. kind of a jerk, then everyone, and then it just, it, it doesn't work. Yeah. I, I'm not into that. I'm not okay with it. Have you seen any of the other trailers like Solo and um, Deadpool? Uh, I haven't seen the Solo trailer, but I have seen the music video that, Oh, uh, Childish Gambino, Gambino, um, Donald Glover. Yeah, uh, yeah. Donald Glover made a music video about being Lando. Nice. That's uh, awesome. I have to watch that. So I have seen that. Oh, but okay. I haven't seen the solo, the the Han Solo. I love trailer. Donald Glover. I I love him from uh, Community. Oh yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's fantastic. Honestly, I'd rather, I'd kind of much rather have a Lando movie. <laughs> I know. I, yeah. I don't really care about kind of. Han Solo. But, you know, I'll take what I can get, I guess. I thought the trailer was fun. I mean, I'm excited. It's coming out in May, so not too far from now. And, and it's directed by uh, 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 Ron Howard. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That should be that should be fun, at least. I, I, I don't know what it looked like from the trailer, but I just hope it's like a buddy cop movie. or It kind of seems like that. Okay. Yeah, it's like or a buddy heist movie. Okay, yeah, I'm yeah. good with that. Because Lando needs more screen time. Totally. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've been bummed that uh, Billy D. Williams hasn't made it back into the Star I Wars know. movies. I know. I don't think he will. Well, I, 
someone told me that they actually did try to bring him back, mm-hmm. and he he just had zero percent of the Lando magic left. Mm. Uh, so he, I mean, he's he's getting re- he's old. He's really yeah. old. So I, it's that's too bad. But yeah. what are you gonna do? You know, it, it, I'm glad they at least tried. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because I was saying the episode uh, nine. Yeah. Eight. 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 Wasn't this eight? Yes. But episode nine. Okay. So the next, the next, oh, okay. like, got, main gotcha. canon Star Wars movie. Yeah. I'm, I, I, after I saw episode eight, yeah. I was saying I hope episode nine subtitle is Lando's counterattack, <laughs> but uh, that doesn't seem to be the case. That would be awesome. I would, I would, I would definitely watch that movie. Lando's counterattack and, you know, all the different. Uh, the the whole Rebel Alliance is split up into different factions, and Lando's faction all wears fashionable capes, shoulder capes. <laughs> Come on, it's gold. They got. They should bring back. I, that's a fashion trend that needs to come back. The the uh, the shoulder cape. <laughs> I saw someone calling for a movie about the the person who designs all the shoulder capes in the sh- in the Star Wars universe because uh-huh. there's there's quite a bit of shoulder cape action. Yeah, Lando, Boba Fett. Who else has a shoulder cape? Oh, Phasma. Yeah, Phasma. So he's he's got to be doing some, he or she <laughs> could be doing some pretty good business. Yeah. Uh, what did you have you seen the Deadpool trailer? No, I'm actually kind of avoiding that movie. Okay. Uh, because of what I because of what I heard about what happened to one of their stunt performers. Oh. Uh, you know they they, you know they they were doing some kind of stunt. And the stunt coordinator was like, this isn't going to work like this. It's like, it's kind of excessively dangerous. Uh-huh. And they pushed ahead anyway. And the stunt actor who did it he died. Did he die? Yeah. Yeah. And they just were like, well, that happened and moved yeah. on. Yeah. Which is kind of awful. So, I, I don't know. I also don't really like Deadpool that much. Okay. I think he's... <laughs> That's cool. That's I think fine. he's a stupid character and not in the good, stupid kind of way. Fair enough. So I haven't even seen the first one. Oh, it's I, it's good. It's yeah. fun. I've it's I've heard the uh, universal praise for that movie. Yeah, so I've been morbidly curious about it, but <laughs> I've you I, should I, watch it at some point. Uh, but anyway, so this week we are talking about Dark Knight: A True Batman Story by Paul Dini and Eduardo Riso. Yes. Um, I, this came, this book came out in two, 2016, so a, a couple of years, uh, now, um, we've been meaning to talk about it for a long time, um, but what I just wanted, I, I read it a while ago, um, and you, you, you're, you pretty freshly read it, so, uh, yeah. what, what, what are your thoughts on it, because it's been a while since I've read it. So, I, one of my main... One of my main uh, criticisms of the book, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. is actually Eduardo Riso. And I can't believe those words are coming out of my mouth in that order. Because yeah. Riso is one of my absolute favorite artists. Uh-huh. But in a lot of cases, I felt like there was a little bit of phoning in going on. Interesting. Um, why, espe- now, espe- why do you say that? Because I, I, I mean, I enjoyed his artwork. I thought there's a lot of varied style in the artwork. Oh yeah, and I I've been dying for him to come back to Batman ever mm-hmm. since as he and Azarello did it uh, following Jim Lee and mm. Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee's run, but there were a lot of cases where no the pages there were some pages that were just perfection mm-hmm. you know classic Rizzo, but then there are others where it was very obvious he was using a, a 
heavy amounts of Photoshop as mm. kind of a speed up tactic. And there were even a couple panels where, or a couple pages where the backgrounds were just photos he he inserted in. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And maybe yeah. that maybe that was at the request of Paul Dini to to add a, a dimension of a further dimension of realism uh-huh. to it. But yeah, I I, I don't know. I, that bugged well, me a little. I bit. I mean, because it is a very like, it's a very it's a Batman story, but it's a very serious subject matter. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I, I, you know that's that artwork gripe aside. Yeah, uh, this book is about Paul Dini recounting uh, a time when he was working at uh, Warner Animation right. back in the Batman animated days, the mm-hmm. heyday of the Batman animated days. Yeah, when he got mugged, and uh, it's his reflections on what he, it. Did. He almost died. Yeah. I mean, they they almost beat him to death. Uh, so it's his reflection on how that changed him as a person, how mm-hmm. it changed his outlook on life, and a lot of other stuff. It's also kind of, uh, you know, last week we talked about um, Solnin, which was a, a coming-of-age story. Dark Knight, a true Batman story, is is also kind of a, a growing-up story. Yeah. It's a it's a life-altering story. It's, it's basically Paul Nini, like... Deciding for himself, like, hey, I need to make, I really need to make a change in my life. Yeah, and it's, it's, and that change is jump started by how his outlook on life changes in general. Uh huh. You know, and, and th- there's that chapter where he's talking about the apartment he built for himself that was just a temple to nerd them. <laughs> yeah, like just all the like toys and cells and stuff like that. You know, he, and he was like, he was a bachelor and he was like, you know, dating around, but not really like taking, you know, not being serious with anybody. Yeah. And he has that, he has that kind of tepid relationship with, with this actress named Vivian, Mm -hmm. uh, who, you know, turns out is just using them. And then there's that moment of, there's that. Oh yeah. He's definitely, he's like, he's kind of like, he's definitely in love with her and she's not interested in him. Yeah, and there's a moment where he's he's reflecting on that fact, and his own subconscious is like, well, you knew what you were getting yourself into, uh-huh. and you knew what was going on with her, but you did it anyway because it would improve your image. Right. And, you know, I, I, I felt that in a couple places, it got, it got a little bit too deep into the self-denigration uh-huh. without really reflect without a very deep reflection on where that anger was coming from i see there was some but it wasn't it wasn't consistently Mm. with substance yeah let me put it that way so it felt like him beating himself up as a means of of kind of therapy to just get it out there but there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of weight to it which isn't to say it wasn't relatable yeah but it, it was a little bit it's not tiring it's, it's not a points. deep dive but I would say he's always um I think one of the things that I've always liked about Paul Dini is that he's always uh had like this kind of self-deprecating kind of a way about him oh for sure and you know that very much comes across uh-huh. in, in this book you know to an extent I, I understand that impulse you know yeah. I under, I understand that to kind of get it out there as a way of therapy, as a way of, of right. you know, getting it out there, acknowledging it, and then saying, oh, this is stupid, and then moving on. Well, one of the things that struck me is that he, when he, he says, uh, when he wrote this book, he was in tears a lot of the times, and he was losing sleep 
over writing this book, but when it finally came out, he felt like a, a weight had been lifted from him himself. Yeah, I, I can understand that, and it's it's a very emotionally charged book. I, I'm kind of coming at it with, with an eye of intense criticism in this point, but compared to something like uh, like my lesbian experience with loneliness, sure. right? You know, she is dealing with with some intense depression, right? And you know, it's not it's not set off by uh, by this you know a major traumatic event, right? But at the same time, there's probably more space dedicated to her reflecting on what that did to her, what you know, the the impact it had on on her life. And, and, you know, and the causes and what she, you know, and suggestions on how to move on rather than, uh, rather than, you know, a whole block of pages that feel, and this is a horrible way of putting it, uh, it, it they feel self-indulgent more uh, than anything. It is self-indulgent. It is, it's a, it's an autobiographical book, you know? Yeah. But I would say, let me ask you something, like, do you think... How much of that is a function of, of the fact that this is a, it's a much shorter book, page count-wise, than my lesbian experience with loneliness? They're they're pretty close in, in page count, actually. Are they? Yeah. Mm. Dark Knight uh, is, I'd say, about 130, uh -huh. 125 pages thereabouts. Yeah. My lesbian experience with loneliness is, is about 150. Is it? I thought it was more like 200 pages, but... It, it could be closer to it, but yeah. it's, it, it's not a really long book. That's true. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe I went about approaching this book in the wrong way. Uh-huh. Because, and, and, you know, let me, <laughs> let, let me just... Well, let, let me say that you're always... Uh, very critical about stuff. That's uh, no, it's, I, that that is a fair assessment. Uh, <laughs> I, I am very critical about the media that I consume, and I'm I'm always a little less critical. <laughs> <laughs> well, so maybe that balances each other out. Yeah. I don't know. We we have achieved Zen in the in the casting <laughs> of this podcast. Yeah. Well, I and. This isn't to say that I didn't I didn't enjoy the book. I thought it was actually a really solid book, and yeah. there's there's a lot of strength and power to what he's talking about. But I, I feel that he got too caught up in his own personal experience okay. without being able to kind of relate it outward. To, I see. To I see what you're readership. saying. Yeah, and you know he does, he does address that. In does the that end. take away? Do you think? Are you not able to relate to the story because of that? No, I, I'm perfectly able to relate to uh -huh. it. There, there's a there's a lot of really good stuff uh, in there. But when he gets when the mugging happens and he's reflecting on right. the events that happen, it turns away from it turns away from an expressive an expressive emotional journey comic into just a straight up autobiographical comic. Mm -hmm. And I think that transition is is really rough, especially where mm. he starts it and where his where his beginning point is, yeah, and where he ends up in the middle of the story are two very different places. Uh -huh. So I, I think to an extent, when it came to planning the story and planning what was going on, I think there was a bit of conflict there. Maybe in terms of how it was going to unfold, uh -huh. because the the direction the narrative uh, took was 
it was a big change at, at you know when at, after he got mugged. Yeah. So you know to an extent, I think that was kind of the point though. It was like, hey, this happened and this this really changed my life and it changed the tone of the story. I understand that, but I don't think that he was successful in in the the trend the shift that he was trying to accomplish let me put it that way because you know like i was saying the the tone of the narrative while it does while it does change in relationship to the way his life changed Mm -hmm. it doesn't change in the way that he's kind of reflecting on it yeah it becomes like i said it becomes more an autobiocomic Rather mm-hmm. than an emotional, an, an emotional journey. Well, that's that's not true because it is still an it's, emotional journey. Yeah. Oh, it's very emotional. So I'm not really sure what I'm trying to say here, <laughs> but that's okay. I feel very strongly about it. Okay. So. Well, I mean, what do you what do you think that is? It successful because you're having that strong emotion. See, I don't think it needs to be successful. Mm. It, it even. It, what do you mean? E- Explain. E- even if. I'm feeling this strongly uh, uh, about the way the narrative evolves uh-huh. because, you know, art art doesn't necessarily need to need to succeed. Hmm. Even in failure, even failure in art is a success. Into it, you know, you can you can look at it as a success, right? What do you mean? So. Uh, what's a what's a good example are you saying like oh just just attempting the art is 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 a success yeah just just attempting telling this story takes a lot of courage yeah yeah and and i'm not saying that i'm not saying that that this book is a failure because Uh that that's not where i'm coming from but and i know that this this isn't how this this uh this went down but this is this is my muddled history analogy using Jackson Pollock. So you know, one day <laughs> okay. Jackson Pollock's about to set up a set up a canvas, and you know he he's like, man, what am I gonna paint? And all of a sudden his 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 uh, dog comes in, and he's petting his dog, and he's like, go fetch the ball, but he's accidentally holding his paintbrush, and he does uh, the splash across the canvas, and he's okay. like, oh come on. Then he looks at it, and he's like, no, wait, wait a minute, I can make this work. That's that's totally not how it happened in any regard, but you know it, it's it's um, that's is that a true story or no? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Maybe it is. Okay, I'm not an art historian, and I can't say either way. It's uh, but it's an exaggeration or elaboration on a on a yeah. on what actually happened. It's my interpretation of events. Let's okay, say it that okay. Way. And I I like Jackson Pollock stuff a lot. Do I, you? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Wow, that's <laughs> that's interesting. We they, we differ there. I really dislike his work. I think there's things you can see in his artwork that the more you look at it, the more they appear, and huh. it's unintentional. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's intentional, and that's the point. You know. I doubt it. He was a drunk, so. Well, that too. <laughs> but you know, Ernest Hemingway ran ran away into a bottle to avoid becoming a doctor and became one of the. I, I also don't think that Ernest Hemingway is a good writer, so. We're we're gonna agree to disagree <laughs> on that okay. one. I think he was a complete scumbag. Okay. I will absolutely admit to that, but dude was good with words, so. I we, yes, we will disagree on that one. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, anyway, back to Dark Knight. What I'm saying is that even if 
his intention, even if the plan for the book Mm -hmm. started and then changed as he worked on it, Mm -hmm. and even if that didn't click with me personally. Let's assume he did. Maybe it was like, maybe he started, this is a deeply personal story, maybe he started writing on it and he came to an understanding of the events that he didn't have before he started writing. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. All right. That 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 that's more in the direction of of what I'm of what I'm getting at. Uh huh. Is that you know maybe in that you're right. Maybe in that process, his attitude and outlook on on the situation and on the events changed, and yeah. so the narrative had to change had to change accordingly. Yeah. And that that kind of. Um, dissonance between where how he starts the story and how the story evolves, you know, maybe that's a product of of that process, Just, and that's that's perfectly okay. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, I feel that it it really changed what the narr- what the story, what the completed product felt like, uh-huh. and the experience of getting getting through the product, the the the, the that experience. Yeah. The experience of getting through that experience. experience. <laughs> I, I understood what you yeah, meant. Okay. I mean, I think this is a deep... It's a reflection. I think it was... Obviously, it was therapeutic for him. And in fact, like, there's a quote on Wikipedia. So, <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. But um, it says... He was horrified at seeing Ed- Eduardo Rizzo's uh, rendition of, of the attack and artwork. Um, I burst into tears. I couldn't look at them. Um, and Dini says he felt like... Oh, we talked about this, but he felt like a burden. A burden had been lifted after talking about after doing this book. Mm. No, I can definitely see that, and especially in the end, how it develops in the end, uh-huh. which I uh, I had a problem with. Really? Because I, you know, it he sets it up to to make it seem like he's giving a lecture, uh-huh. and he is, but it's in his basement to his toys, <laughs> which I thought I thought was an amusing development. I kind of like that part of the story. That like 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 I said, there's a lot of parts where uh, Rizzo um, uses different art styles to tell this story. Yeah, and when he's talking to his his toys, um, it's a very like kid like art style. So it's it's definitely a reflection of like. Actually, I think it's it's kind of like again talking about um, Paul Dini maturing as an adult. I think that section of the book is like, oh, this is when I was a kid and now I'm grown up. I, I, I don't know. I I thought that the way he, he started with his, the way he developed as a kid mm-hmm. and the way, and, and then jumping ahead into the point where, you know, he's an adult and working at Warner Brothers and then that right. becomes... Right. That becomes the end point of the de- of the development, uh-huh. because in the end, you know, he's like, and then I got married and lived happily happily ever after. The end, book over. <laughs> I, you know, so I, I felt so. Okay. Well, okay, let me let me say this, like, or let me ask you: Had he not gone through this trauma? Now it's 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 kind of terrible to say this, but had he not gone through this trauma, would he be? in a place to like you know so he's been with his wife misty he's been with his wife misty for quite a while i think over 20 years now but would he be in a place to have that relationship with her had he not gone through this trauma 
who's to say? Yeah. I mean, I don't know him personally, right. so it's... I would and, love to hear his, his take on this. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I, I think that would be a really interesting aspect. But I, I think that there was a focus on trauma. Yeah. And catharsis was kind of thrown out in favor of trauma. Let me hmm. let me put it let me put it that way. Because the core of the story is is him experiencing this this major event in his life which right. which understandably deserves a lot of exploration right. and, a, and a lot of and a lot of thought. But at the same time, you know, he came out of it eventually. Right. And you don't Unless he explicitly, which he does explicitly say, I, I got out of it, I turned my life around, right. I'm all good now, hooray. <laughs> but if he didn't say that explicitly, uh-huh. I wouldn't have gotten the sense that, that he was in a better place now. Hmm. Because the story just doesn't convey that. That's interesting. I, I I just assume that he is because we know Paul Dini now. Yeah. But that's that's the thing. Yeah. You know, just looking at this as an isolated work. I right? see. Yeah. And you know you had to, you you had to make that assumption based on him as a real life figure, right? And that's you know, right. And he now, a, now that you're mentioning it, you're 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 absolutely right. And he is a real life figure. Right. He's not he's not made up at all. He's We're, a real he's a character in the book, but he's also a real person. Yeah, and and I'm well aware of that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're good here. But <laughs> uh, but uh, you know if if you didn't know who Paul Dini is. Mm-hmm. If you don't know who Paul Dini is, yeah, and your first exposure to him is through this book, hmm. you know that that disconnect in knowledge is is there. This is not. Let me let me say this is not the first book I would recommend from Paul Dini. No, 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 no. I would actually recommend his Detective Comics run yeah. with uh, Dustin Nguyen worked on it. Yeah, for a while. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and uh, Street, his follow up series, Streets of Gotham, uh-huh. which is choice yeah but anyway that's a side note um but yeah to that extent i feel like it didn't the book didn't work Mm -hmm. and that that's the core of of my trouble with it Mm. is that you know and and trauma deserves a lot of exploration and a lot of thought and a lot of consideration obviously i I think it's 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 great that he did did this work hopefully the Hopefully somebody can read this and be like, you know what? I want to do something very similar. I can definitely relate, and I'm glad that he is okay because that helps me to be okay as well. But see, that's that's the issue here uh-huh. is that because it's a focus on his trauma, mm-hmm. and it's not he's not really looking looking to expand it outward further. And it's it, it. I don't think it has that sort of potential to to really to really you know. I, I mean, I felt something, and you obviously felt yeah. felt that while yeah. reading it. But it's not. I mean, the, I've experienced trauma, not quite like this, but you know. Yeah. But at the same, you know, at the same time, there's that self indulgent factor again, uh-huh. in that you know it's more about it's more about the focus on his trauma. Rather than rather than a release of catharsis. Hmm. Well, let me ask you. You say it's self-indulgent. Is that okay? Because maybe it's just like I needed. I you know just I'm not trying to speak for Paul Dini, but I'm saying. You mean know, maybe it was like I'm speculating. I'm saying like oh I needed to do this for myself. 
Yeah, that's perfectly okay. Yeah, that I'm I'm a hundred percent okay with that, and I'm I'm really happy that he was able to to be in a place where he could do it. Uh huh. And that's amazing. That's incredible. Right. But as far as a, I mean, I I get the impression that he'd been thinking about writing this story for years. Oh yeah, no doubt. And you know, I, I I'm beating a dead horse at this point. Right. But that's that's where. That's where I'm having the problem is that, you know, it feels more like a personal reflection. Okay. Rather, and the way he set it up is kind of contradicts that that intent. The, okay. The, the beginning portion of of the book contradicts that. I see. That that intent. So that's where I'm coming from. In this case, self indulgence is not ne- explicitly a negative. Okay. Because. You know, sometimes, that's what I was getting at. That's what yeah. I'm asking. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't. Does, it, does that take away from the art if no. this is self-indulgent? No, 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 not at all. I, I, I don't, I don't think it, that that's an outright negative. Uh huh. I think it's something that is worthy of discussion, which yeah. is why I'm bringing it up. <laughs> but it's not, it's not something that makes the book unreadable because it is a very powerful book and it, it does have a lot of strong points. Right. But you know, and maybe I should talk about those a little bit instead of hammering, <laughs> hammering on it. Uh, hammering on we it can get much. there. We can. Th- we'll get there. But one of my one of my other points on this book is that you know I I, I did a bit. I spent a bit of time um, you know looking at and studying the art of life writing, which is what this is. Uh-huh. You know, and one of the core principles around life writing is that memory is faulty. Yes. And yeah, that, memory. Uh, our memories rewrite themselves all the time. Yeah, and the way we perceive events is based on our own experiences and our own our own life. Uh huh. And how events, you know, events aren't objective. They're That's all true. subjective. Yes. So the way he's presenting this, you know, we we have to we have to kind of think about it in terms of is he a reliable narrator mm-hmm. or is he an unreliable narrator? And you know, is he remembering some of these events based on his the the way it affected him emotionally, or is he is he creating these events based on based on you know explicitly on how the events unfolded? Oh, it's I and definitely I think there's think, a mixture of yes, the two. But I, I definitely think yeah, I, I I agree. I think it's it's definitely like there's definitely an emotional element to it. I think it's explicitly like talking about like the emotional impact that it had on him. But I, I, you know, at the same time, when emotions factor so heavily into that, mm-hmm. and it's it's you're recalling events through the lens of emotion, right. things start to get a little distorted. It's definitely not an objective recounting of this of this event. No, not at all. And you know, again, that's fine. Yeah. But, you know, for, for something to be, to turn into a pure life writing exercise yeah. and still be kind of clouded with that, that's, that's you know, another little difficulty I had. Yeah. And, and, and my main point in bringing this up yeah. is the lack of Harley Quinn in this book. Oh. Because I know for a fact that he created Harley Quinn and he is the universe's number one Harley Quinn fan. (laughs) Yes. And the fact that he restrained himself to, to leave her out of the story Uh so much, even when, uh, the, the voice, the voice actress who played her, uh, Arlene Sorkin, Arlene Sorkin plays, plays a a pretty big role. She is, she's in the book actually. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that Harley Quinn is so absent 
you know that w- when I got to the end, I was like, wait a minute, what's going on with that? Mm-hmm. Because I know Paul Dini is really into <laughs> Harley Quinn. Yes, he's writing a Batman book yeah. about the series he created Harley Quinn in. Right. So what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have an answer for that. Yeah. But I thought that that's was an really interesting, interesting point. I never, I never thought about that. I mean, maybe I maybe I just kind of glossed over it because Arlene Sorkin is in the book. Yeah. And it is, like, kind of a nod to Harley Quinn. But at the same time, where is she? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. even the Penguin makes an appearance. <laughs> you know, and, and even Mr. Freeze makes an appearance. And Adam West. Yeah, and Adam West. That's true. <laughs> so, you know, that that's where I'm getting at in terms of the unreliable narrator. Uh-huh. Because, you know, Harley Quinn is a really important part of his life. Yeah. And the fact that he omitted her from this story... And she's also, I, I believe, DC's mo- most popular female character. Yeah, I, I would imagine that. Yeah. I, 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 but, you know, then there's Wonder Woman. Well, anyway, that that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> yeah. So, by the time I got to the end and mm-hmm. noting the lack of Harley Quinn, my, my immediate thought was, well, what's going on with that? And mm. that's kind of what led me down this, this route in terms of thinking thinking about the book. I kind of think, like, including Harley Quinn would be too... It's too easy. It's, like, the obvious choice, you know, because he is the creator, the co-creator of, of Harley Quinn. Well, so what? I mean, we've already established that this is a self-indulgent right, book. Right, that's true. So, you know, why not Why not go all the way? Uh-huh. You know, what's what's the reasoning behind... I agree. Behind I, I, I hear what so you're saying, yeah. So, and like I said, I don't have an answer for that, uh-huh. but... Um, so anyway, I want to I want to talk about some more positive things. Well, I, I feel like I've been harping yeah, on this book. Yeah, real for quick, a... I want to ask about the include the um, inclusion of Batman in this book. I I thought it you know it was very poignant, and the way he did it was very very skillfully done. Yeah, you know it's it's you know you, I I got the I got the sense, and I already knew this that yeah. he was a very clever talented storyteller because Obviously, yeah the way batman work kind of weasels his way into the story because it's <laughs> right. not you know batman doesn't just appear organically right he definitely kind of sneaks in and is like hey guy you're being stupid <laughs> and you know it's it, he is kind of the voice of reason right. for paul dini well part of the narrative is that, like is paul dini saying oh in this moment when i was at my lowest I was wondering, where's Batman? Yeah. Why isn't Batman here to 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 save me? And Bat and it, it breaks the fourth wall. It's like you know, Batman shows up and he's like, "Listen, I'm not a real character. You have to save yourself." Yeah. Well, as far as how his own imagination realizes Batman, mm-hmm. he kind of ser- the the character kind of serves as Paul Dini's conscience and voice of and yeah. voice of reason at the same time. And I think the fact that Batman, you know, the the fact that in his own experience and in the book, Batman kind of disappears from this event is really poignant because it's it's not his fault. Right. You know, he was he was just a victim of circumstance. Right. And, you know, he had to suffer a lot as a result of that circumstance. Mm. But, you know, Batman's point is ultimately like, look, you know, it's not your fault. You you know, this thing. This thing just happened. Yeah. And it changed your life and you gotta you gotta deal with it and that sucks. Right. But you've gotta deal with it. Right. And that's when he came back in. 
Yeah. So I, I feel like that was a really powerful element of the book. Is Batman the, the hero that he needed? No, he's not. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's a major point of the book. Yeah. And and something he, he kind of addresses in the end when he was like, I realized that, you know, Batman was, you know, Batman is just my imagination. Uh-huh. And maybe right. I was using yes, him a yes, little yes, too yes. much. No, I thought that was a really interesting and powerful aspect of the story and, and the way the absence of Batman mm. and the presence of Batman is a really interesting thing to kind of track through this book. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he's out on the date and he's out on his date with Vivian, quote unquote date. Right. And Vivian's, you know, talking about herself nonstop. And then Batman shows up with this entourage of supermodels <laughs> and his imagination starts going, running amok. You right. Know? I, I, I haven't been in that specific situation, but I've been in other situations where, you know, I've been bored you've, to tears. And you've my never med- been in a situation where Bruce Wayne just shows up with a bunch of models? I, I am. That is on my bucket list. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's on my bucket list. But, you know, I, I've been in that situation where I've been bored to tears and I, you know, I, I'm like, I'm in this situation of my own choosing, but why am I here? <laughs> and then my imagination takes over and yeah. I start daydreaming, you yeah. know? And I, I think a lot of a lot of the experiences he relates in terms of you know him being an invisible kid mm. and him just wanting to kind of live invisibly yeah. and not be noticed and make his way through school right. you know a, right. as as the I, I kid. feel I was that kid you know growing up I was definitely that kid too yeah so you know the, the, there's a lot of there's a lot of places that have a high level of relatability uh-huh. and the way he expresses those are just really well done. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's great. Do you want to talk about some of the high points of the book? Uh, high points of the book. I, I, I thought that, <laughs> I thought that he used two. well, I, maybe this isn't a high point, but I thought he used two faces kind of, a, kind of too obvious of a metaphor <laughs> in, in a couple of places. Okay. But, I, I always like Two Face showing up because he's a wacky villain and he deserves Two Face is one of the best villains ever. Yeah. I like, I'm pretty partial to Mister Freeze as well. Okay, he tends to get the he tends to be a C lister these days. Uh. but anyway, um, no, like I said, the, the his early childhood recounts of of you know growing up and developing that animation and developing a love for animation, right. and all that stuff was was really good. And a lot of the reflection on, you know, it's it's kind of, it's okay to like this stuff. Mm. So it's okay to be to want to work with the stuff that you enjoy, right. because then you'll enjoy working on the stuff that you create. Right. So you know, I, I I thought a lot of his life experience stuff were those moments in particular were really really solid. Is this a is this a good read for somebody else who's experienced trauma? I don't think so. No. I wouldn't recommend this. I, 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 I would recommend this book to a person who's experienced trauma as they're as they've admitted they need to change. Uh-huh. I think this is like a turning point book. But for someone who hasn't reached that stage yet, I don't think this is the right book to give them because you know the the amount of time he spends kind of kind of exploring his depression and and the result of his trauma right it's not uh, let, let me let me stall for a second while I think of a less horrible way to put this yeah it's it's more it's more kind of dwelling in the experience rather than rather than the outside looking in mm-hmm. it's him 
you know, kind of hammering down on looking from the inside yeah. out. And, you know, that's fine, but as far as giving something, giving someone who's experienced something similar a, a means of therapy, that's not the right thing to do. I see. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with that. What I wanted to say is, um, <clears throat> obviously, like, Paul Dini talks a lot about, like, his childhood and how he has a really active imagination, but I think also he, um, in his early childhood and in his early adulthood, he struggled with being able to concentrate, being, like, being present in the moment. Right. And I think, if anything, this trauma, like, helped him be to be more present. I would agree with that. Yeah. And I think he really expresses that uh, very well, Mm -hmm. you know, because as, as he gets through it and as he's kind of on the mend, he's able to work again and he's like, he's in there, he's gung ho and, and you know, he's, he's less daydreamy and headed in the clouds. So, yeah. Can we talk about the artwork a little bit? I think that, um, to me, there's elements of this book that remind me, uh, Rizzo's artwork reminds me a little bit of, uh, Dave Mazzucchelli. Oh yeah, hundred percent. He they're they're very um, they're very closely related in style, but uh-huh. I think Riso takes a, a much grittier approach. Hmm. He he's more fluid. What an with, interesting choice of words. He he's more fluid with expression uh-huh. rather than art rather than straight up uh, straight up articulation of realism uh-huh let's put it that way because riso is willing to willing to warp anatomy and warp perspective yes. in order to, in order to yeah. serve the emotional context of the page uh-huh. and I, that's one of his strong points because and one of my favorite favorite things about him is that in the backgrounds if you pay attention to characters in the background yeah. there's a secondary story always happening oh, yeah. with, like the people in his backgrounds are alive and real rather than just like generic inserts. Uh-huh. And that's one of the most amazing aspects of his work. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, there's the story in the foreground right. and the story in the background. The so. colors also remind me of Batman year one quite a bit. Very solid colors. Yeah. Very, very um, defined color palettes. Uh huh. Or let, let, let me say, uh, to use this word again, less fluid color palettes. I okay. Should, I should say, because it's a very, they're, they're very consistent color choices throughout the entire book. Right. There's a lot of kind of blues, dark blues, gray blues, and, you know, and that makes sense uh, thematically. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a kind of, it's a kind of harp on the blues. I don't know. <laughs> Bad joke. Was that was that a joke? I don't. I mean, I missed it. No, it wasn't. Okay. Um, so we're wrapping up here. Uh, any final words about a dark or Dark Knight, a Batman story? I think. Sorry, it's a, a true Batman story. I think it's a very good read, but one that deserves kind of an asterisk on it. Okay. That that deserves kind of a hey, this is what this is, but. This is what you should expect, uh-huh. and I, I think the way, you know, I I wasn't really ready for what I experienced, and I, I think that it deserves a little bit more. It del- it deserves a little bit more explanation before before I see. you know getting into it. Yeah, and I think having that, uh, having that alongside a, a fresh read, yeah, would 
improve the experience overall. Well, now that you say, now that you mentioned that, I actually the reason why I picked up this book is because I heard an interview with Paul Dini talking about it. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, uh, anywhere we recommend or not recommend? Um, yeah, I, I'd recommend it. Uh, I but I it it would be a very limited recommendation. Okay. It's it's not something that that I would go out of my way to say you got to read this book. But it's not it's not something that. I'd say is is you know I, I just put aside and be like I'm never gonna think about this uh-huh. because it, it's you know the fact that we're spending so much time talking about it <laughs> obviously shows that there is something there yes. worth yes. worth thinking about so yeah cool well that's it for this week um, if you want to follow me on Twitter you can follow me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at I am Von Blum you can find me at SPD four six four nine you can find the store at Doctor Comics Mister Games. DRMR across the social media spectrum. This podcast is on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash totally dash whelmed. And iTunes. And iTunes. Um, if you want to, uh, we're on social media as well at Whelmed Pod on Facebook and Twitter. Um, if you want to talk about this show, please use, use the hashtag totally whelmed. And am and, I forgetting anything? Uh, yeah, if you if you want to hear us talk about a specific book or a specific yeah. series or something, please let us know in the comments. Next week is Black Panther. Yes, juiced. If you like these long form discussions, please let us know. Or if you don't like them, let us know. Um, and I guess that's it for this week. We will talk to you next week. Read some comics. Yeah.